It's still kind of awkward just me sitting up here. It's not actually that awkward, but... You gotta love to start things when we don't exactly have everything figured out. <laughs> so anyways, um, welcome to our very first episode of Crossed Roads, a uh, Crossroads podcast special. Um, if you don't know who I am, I am Pastor Tally Maynard. I am the youth pastor here at the Life Church Warren. And the uh, heart of this podcast... Yeah, yeah go for it, sorry. <laughs> the heart of this podcast is just to... Uh, Talk life and faith, read a bit of the Bible, and just have conversation. Because if anything that is a blessing to humanity, it's being able to converse. Um, my first guest is uh, Eden Bosca. He is one of my uh, youth leaders. And uh, I think it's very interesting that I, I picked you. Because you're just getting started in your ministry journey. And I've been doing it for the better half of seven years. So I, I, I like that little, uh, that uh, dichotomy, I guess. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, so my first time preaching was uh, my senior year. And then uh, I was just, you know, at the all-nighter that we had here, I was able to have a second opportunity to go for it. So yeah, obviously we're getting started doing more, and I'm excited. Awesome. I, you know, kind of being there, even though it was like 3 o'clock in the morning when we did it, <laughs> um, it was so encouraging just to hear you. Like really attack it, and like not attack it from like a. You attacked it from a very logical point, and I could tell you put like time and effort into doing that. Yeah. And that wasn't even like planned that night. You, no. You, you should have just <laughs> went up there and just killed it. <laughs> yeah, just sharing what's on my heart. I feel like that's that's where God works the most. It's Him saying what He wants to say through us, not so much us putting time and effort into us. Well, obviously, putting time and effort into studying the Bible, but if we're not saying what God wants us to say, then what are we doing anyways, right? Yeah, dude, it's, uh, I know for me, when I first started writing sermons, this would have been probably somewhere around, like, 2016, 2017. Uh, I know I really stressed myself out about trying to make it perfect, but the beauty of God is you don't have to be perfect yeah. to to do his will. Uh, there are multiple men in the Bible who were completely imperfect. Even women. Uh, Deborah wasn't a perfect huh. person, but was one of the judges of a very fledgling Israel yeah. back in the day. Um, David was a man after God's own heart, yet he murdered and committed adultery too. He's, one, he's regarded as one of, if not the best king of Israel. And even his example of like messing up but still being able to be humble and come back to God. Yeah, it's it's beautiful seeing the repentance that God brings because I know I, I've struggled with like lust. I, I think most most men have struggled with it and if you don't two things, either one you're lying or two I <laughs> am very, very jealous of you. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's a struggle, man. It's a high percentage. It's like 75% of even Christian guys yeah. have Seventy-five. It. I I heard like fifty percent. Well, you're listening to the liars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I gotta check my sources. No, yeah, obviously that's a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you have a little devotional for us, and uh, yeah, you know, I want to pray, and let's hop right into it, and uh, kind of see where we go. Yeah, definitely. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that I have to be able to share what you've given me, and um, help me just to very clearly uh, give to others what you've given me and 
help me to share your love with the world in the way that, uh, in the way that you want us to. In my prayer, amen. Amen. Alrighty, so um, in the process of this, um, I've kind of started writing like my own series that I hope to put up on my own YouTube channel soon. But um, I'm calling you, it. You mind the, shouting out your YouTube channel? I don't even have a name for it yet. I, it's the it's it's currently just an idea. Uh, I don't even have a name. Still kind of thinking of what it's gonna be. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but my idea going into this is, who is God, right? And so. Um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, talks about how there's faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So I figured that in the midst of trying to figure out what the first sermon I'm going to write about is, love is a great place to start, especially considering that the Bible also says that God is love. So I figured that's kind of a good place to start. So that being said, recently... Um, I watched this movie called The Jesus Revolution. Such a good or, movie. Yeah, Jesus Revolution. It's about the Jesus movement in the 1960s, um, ended roughly mid-1970s, started in the midst of the Vietnam War. During this time, we got a group of people who are uh, you know, just drinking, having sex everywhere, drugs, just hating the Bible. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have the church. But in, the, in this time, right, the church is seen as super legalistic, super, super traditional, stuck in their ways, all that sort of thing. The people that the church needed to reach would never have gone into the church. The church would never have gone into the place where all these hippies were. So we're stuck with people who are searching for an answer to their problems, an answer to the Vietnam War, an answer to why their lives are seemingly going down the drain. They were desperate. But in the movie, this is kind of a phrase that stuck out to me. The movie gave this phrase. Yes, people were desperate. But there's power in that word desperate. That's kind of where, that's kind of where my heart just kind of like started going right along with this is because I recognize, like, and even in my own life, there's been times where when I needed God, I was desperate. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Like, first off, the fact that God uses, like, the most unlikely people. Like, a little bit about myself, I didn't grow up in church. In fact, I never stepped foot in a church until I was about 16 years old. And, you know, as I kind of learned about God a bit more and really started discovering who I was, like, I realized how equipped God made me for ministry. Um, one of my favorite bands, their name is uh, King Kaleidoscope. If you want some good music, check them out. Um, they just released a song, like today, as of March 17th, 2023, they released a new song called Story. And one of the lyrics in the chorus is, it's a miracle becoming yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the biggest miracle, I think in all of our lives, is the opportunity to find out who God's made us to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, I always reflect in Psalms 139, where the psalmist is describing how God made us. Like he, he didn't just make us like haphazardly. Like we weren't just a bunch of bones and flesh that God just kind of threw together. Like when God was thinking of you and making you, like He took time. An artist takes 
weeks and weeks and months and years to perfect his craft because he loves his craft. In the same way, God took whatever span of time that God uses, because I don't, I don't think God <laughs> uses the Gregorian calendar that we use. I don't think he uses hours and minutes and seconds. I think he uses, like, decades and <laughs> millennia and all that. But, you know, when he was first originally thinking of you, like, he wanted to make you so precise. He wanted to make you just exactly who you needed to be. Um, and I, th I think that's the beauty of coming, like, not only coming to faith, but coming into the confidence of my faith. Yeah. Because once I realized, you know, that I just didn't know God, but I actually loved him and wanted to seek his will for my life, that's when I found the most joy. Um, you know, I used to be a sponsored snowboarder, did that for four years. Um, it made me happy, but it didn't make me joyful. And there's a difference between happy and joyful. Yeah. Like, ha happiness is like a fleeting kind of feeling. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, th this high-energy drink here, <laughs> by the way, shout-out to Starbucks. Probably should cover up that logo and post, but don't worry about that later. <laughs> blur that. <laughs> yeah, we'll just blur that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, but happiness is very fleeting. Like, I could be happy one moment, and then, like, something happens, and I'm sad that negates that happiness feeling, but like joy, it's regardless of what happens in my life, regardless of what trials I may face, regardless of, you know, the rejection I may feel at times, I know that God still inherently loves me. Yeah. And I have security in that. Like that's my foundation. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so kind of just back to what I was saying. So, the this desperation. I, I totally just cut you off. <laughs> no, I'm so good. sorry, dude. No, you're good. So this observation of people's desperation and desire for love—that's what led a guy named Chuck Smith to open his church to these hippies. These were people whose society wanted to ignore people who the church had labeled as just not good enough, not worth their effort, sinners, druggies adulterers, hippies, alcoholics, these people who are still made in the image of God, just like us, and the church just wanted to just turn their heads and ignore them. Chuck Smith, along with a guy named Lonnie Frisbee, were two of the first people who really wanted to change this. They took the opportunity to embrace them and love them. They took the time to reach out and go into the places where the hippies were instead of requiring these people to come to the church. Some of these hippies were still drug users in the midst of their addiction, and they still loved them. These hippies didn't listen to the same kind of music. They didn't listen to hymns. They didn't listen to like all the traditional worship music. So instead, Chuck Smith invited a band of hippies who wanted to worship the Lord in their own, in their own genre, in their own style, and he invited them to do that in front of his church. And these weren't popular. These weren't popular decisions. Obviously, the the pastor being the lead isn't just making the decisions on everything that goes on in the church, the members and the deacons and the board and everything else. These are people who also have opinions on how the church should be run. And what Chuck Smith was doing was not in the interest of the entire church. But Chuck Smith desired to love these people instead. Yikes.
we currently live in a world that sees the church very similarly to how the world saw the 1960s church. We're still legalistic. We're sometimes angry. We're hateful of opposing, opposing opinions. That's how the world sees us. We might not see ourselves differently. We might be saying, well, it's sin. We cannot, we cannot abide by and just listen to sin happen and not do anything about it. And yeah, it, I'm, I don't condone for sin. But I do condone for love. And that's what, that's what we lack. We lack love. We're oblivious to all of our own sins, and yet we're quick to look down on the smallest of sins of anybody else. Overall, unfortunately, a lot of these accusations of being traditional, traditional and legalistic and just kind of hateful, I can't, even, I can't even say that it's inaccurate. I would, I'd be the first one to admit that there's times where I've had friends who've been like, yeah, man, listen to this. Like, this is something really cool. And I've been like, man, what are you doing? Like, that's so dumb. And I just throw stuff away just because it's not important to me or I think it's wrong. It, 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 it's always funny because it almost like a lot of like music, especially like nowadays in like 2023, it like it tries to be like edgy, but like it's just the same message being spoken like in the last hit song like two weeks ago. Yeah, like there, there's just no, especially coming from where I like living in the world to then living for Christ. It's such a it's such a difference because I guess there's more variety in life and variety in like music and art because you know we're talking about this ultra creative you know omnipotent omnipresent God that you could really actually dive into a lot more deeper context where it's not just like sex drugs partying the streets like it's beyond that it's like you know, God, where are you when, like, when life's hard? Or God doesn't disappear in the gray. God does not disappear in the gray. That's really, I like that. I might you have to use that for a sermon, so. No, go Thank for you. it. <laughs> awesome. <dude. laughs> yeah. It's like you're, like you're saying, God's more complex than that. There's, there's love, and it's God's love, and this is something that I was kind of able to share with the people at the All-Nighter, is that God's love is undescribable and how indescribable it is. Beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension. And that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of where the church kind of falls, right? We lack love. For all the outreach programs that exist, for all the tracks that are passed out, for all the worship songs we sing, we still lack love. How often do we condemn those of an LGBTQ community in our own personal groups, but then go to church on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever else, and seeing how reckless God's love is. How many times do we see, like, a homeless man standing at an intersection, and we just, like, no, oh, I'm not, not giving him, like, $5. He's just going to use it to get another hit. He's just, he's going to go out. He's going to get more weed. We're like, man, go get a job, you know? Maybe if you got a job, you wouldn't be here on the streets. How do we expect those in the world to want Jesus, to want to love Jesus. When the people who do, who, when the people who are the examples of Jesus in the world 
treat them so poorly. We are, we are Christ's representation on earth. We're the ones who are supposed to be showing the world who Christ is. That's what a Christian is. It's a little Christ. But then we go out and mistreat the people who Jesus himself would have spent the most time with. I was recently at a Black Lives Matter rally when I came to a kind of interesting realization. The black, the black community is still, is still treated more poorly than the white community. And I'm, I'm just using the white community because obviously I'm a part of the white community. Police still treat black people worse than white people on a general scale. According to studies done by Johns Hopkins University, schools still don't teach the history. Schools still don't teach the history of African Americans and the acts that our nation and other nations have committed against them, nearly to the extent which is deserved by that population. The church has been a part of this continent, especially since the arrival of the pilgrims, right? So 1620 or something. It's been a long time since I've been in history class, right? It's been even longer for me. <laughs> in that time frame, the nation has gone through a slave trade, a civil war in which slavery was a key issue, the reestablishing of the same racial inequality via black codes and the Jim Brown laws, another civil movement, and then more marches and protests all through the 2010s. During that time, what the church has said is essentially, oh, boo racism. We don't like people who mistreat African Americans. It's just a very one-dimensional answer, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, racism is bad, but what are we going to do to bring unity? Because that's what God really wants. I, I don't even think for the church, but I think for all of humanity. Because if God's nature, you know, if God's never changing, like, and you look back at the Garden of Eden, like, and if God's nature is never changing, what does that say about God now? Is that he does want unity with us. He, his ultimate desire is for humanity and him to be one. Now, however, sin kind of came in the way because, you know, sometimes we humans are pretty smart. That was sarcastic for yeah. the online viewers. <laughs> the, mo the more you, like, just interact with me and hear me talk, you realize I, I'm dripping with sarcasm. Like, that's my drip. Like, I don't have the best clothing and whatnot, but, like, sarcasm, <laughs> I am drippy with it. That sounds so weird. <laughs> but, um, you know, God wants that unity. But we don't get to the place of unity without actually addressing the issues. Yeah. Like, we, we can't put a Band-Aid on, on these disparities. Yeah. And it makes it worse when we have groups like the Black Lives Matter movement who are very kind of liberal in their ideologies, they're anti-Jesus, yet they've done more since their creation to really stand up for the African-American community. And yes, there are a whole movement dedicated by name to the protection and growing equality for African-Americans, but still, we're the church. We should have we should have been one of the first groups we, to really say something. We should have been something. the example. <laughs> we should have been an example. 
I think it's kind of sad everybody. that it's coffee. Don't worry. <laughs> I think it's kind of sad that like we're so quick to speak out about how terrible abortion is, and it is. But then at the same time, we see people mistreated by the police or mistreated in our communities, and they are alive and they are full, 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 fully grown people. People we can physically look at and say, I can see you, and I still can't be bothered to speak out. It's just kind of sad to me, right? I mean, logically speaking, if we're, the, if we're Christ's representation on earth, we're the Christians, and BLM is out-loving the African-Americans, out-loving them for us, right? Logically speaking, all that can say is that Black Lives Matter loves these people more than we do. How can we expect people to find Jesus when in their interaction with us, we bash the one group that stands up for them, right? As much as Black Lives Matter is probably not a good movement and, you know, they're not. It's questionable at best. Questionable at best. There's been so many people who, in the process of saying, of trying to fight the Black Lives Matter movement, they've said that this phrase, all lives matter, has come into play. At the same time, right, all lives do matter. Right? That's, that's an obvious. That's, that's a given. But that's not what the purpose of this name is. In saying that black lives matter, we're not saying that white lives matter less or that anybody else is below the black lives. We're calling out a specific, a specific group that needs attention on them for the purpose of their own protection. That's, that's what that's about. And to me, that's, it's kind of frustrating to hear when I hear people talking like, man, this Black Lives Matter group, like, don't they know that all lives matter? Yes, everyone knows that all lives matter. That's not what they're trying to say. They're trying to it, say it, that black lives are the ones who are being mistreated. It, they're trying to call out that. If you don't believe all lives matter, I, you should really go see somebody because that's just... If you don't believe all lives matter, there's, there's something going on because, you know, God gives us that inherent value because... We are made in we're, his image. We're made in his image. So, I... I, I think the fact that we have to talk about this, you know, some odd, like, 200 years <laughs> since since slavery was abolished, I, I, I think there needs to be a real big heart check in terms of a lot of Christians because, man, you know, if Jesus were to come back today and look at the work we've done to bring unity, I don't know how well we would be looked at. <laughs> it, it, would, it would not look good. Now, thankfully, you know, Jesus forgives us and gives grace and all that, but like, you know, the Great Commission is not just for the disciples thousands of years ago. The Great Commission is for us in 2023. That's part of it. You know, you know, God is of one body and one mind. You know, three in one. There, there's, it's one. It's not three separate entities. It's three different sub-entities that bring into the Tri- the, the triune nature of God. So if we 
if we don't seek out that unity, then, you know, are, are we really the church? Are we actually Christians? Or are we just saying we're Christians by name? Yeah. I think that's something that the church needs to realize kind of as a whole is that is what the nature of sin and the nature of God is, mm-hmm. right? Not being gay or not anything else does not get you into heaven. Being gay does not instantly condemn you to hell. Never having an abortion is not, you know, a free ticket to paradise. Just as having one isn't the same thing as saying, oh, well, you're going to hell. Like, it, that's not, it's not like a one-time, you know, no forgiveness. There's forgiveness. If you've done every drug on the face of the earth, you're still worthy of love. If you've been an alcoholic your entire life, you're worthy of love. If you watched porn every day of your, the last 10 years, you're worthy of love. If you've cheated on your partner, you're still worthy of love. God's love knows no bounds, and it never will. That's something that Romans 5.8 has said a lot, right? Is that God showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were his enemy in that time, and he still sent his son, Right? Jesus decided to be a friend to the tax collectors, prostitutes. Literally, the Bible just says sinners. When the Bible doesn't want to name exactly what people's occupations were for these, it literally just says sinners, right? That's the people that Jesus loved. Those are the ones that he was defending even against the Pharisees and everything else. He's not going to abandon you over whatever sin you've committed. And Romans 3.23 says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Like, that's everybody. Like, your pastor has fallen short of the glory of God. I have fallen short of the glory of God. I have fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 like, we're, we're, like, just because we're talking about God on a, you know, Christian podcast, you know, for the first time, that, that doesn't mean we're, like, some holier-than-thou, because that just, that doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, I... You know, I, I look at, you know, it, it's taken a while for me to really realize it, but I look at myself and I see, you know, how God's, you know, written his tapestry into me. And one thing I'm really working on is realizing the tapestry that God's built in other people, even people who aren't believers. Because, again, humanity is literally in the image of God. Like, God took the most care in making us. And if we, if we were to just negate that by, you know, being judgmental, even the case of judge, just judging, if we were to judge, that means we were trying to usurp God because only God can judge us. So, you know, if, if, you're, you know, if you're struggling with judging, like, just realize, you know, like, ultimately God is the biggest judge. And if, you, if you're going to judge, then if, you, if you're going to judge other people, then God's going to judge you under the same skill that you judge people. I didn't expect us to get... We're, we're going hard today. Yeah. <laughs> it's the great thing about starting new things is, you, you know, you can go as hard or soft as you want. And it's a great place to start out too, right? Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of also like the... That's the flip side of that coin is like at the same time for something that... You know, it's so simple of talking about just, like, loving your neighbors. That's also one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. 
So um, the next, so I kind of just got like a couple points here, right? So like another thing is that the word love is mentioned 684 times in the ESV Bible. Really? Yeah. Dude, I didn't even know that. <laughs> did my research for this, y'all. did my research. The bell's very clear about this, its importance of love, and its repeated mention of it is itself an evidence of how much the Bible really does care about love. If repetition isn't enough, maybe, like I was saying earlier on, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the verse literally says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I feel like it's really important to just keep repeating this because I think that a lot of times we kind of confuse ourselves as to what God finds important. Here's the kind of funny thing about how God works is that when we deem people unholy or whatever else, he works most when he changes what is very clearly unholy, right? Here's, here's kind of like an example. You have a candle that burns infinitely bright, right? You can put that candle in one of two places. You can put it in a really sunny room, like, I don't know, like my kitchen's pretty sunny. So I put it in the kitchen. Lots of sunlight comes in, light from the other rooms, everything else, it's got a nice bright light in there. It's a pretty bright room, right? So I put this candle in there. The candle's still gonna be bright, but it's not gonna have its full effect of making making it brighter. But if you take that same candle and you put it in a really dark room with some dark curtains in the middle of the night, dark walls, and you put that candle in there then, that candle is going to exponentially brighten that room in the way that it couldn't in that, in that bright room, right? This is the same for how people are. We live in a nation that boasts about its freedom of religion, speech. We got the sunny room. But God's grace and his goodness and his holiness are elsewhere. Right now, the biggest church in the world is in uh, South Korea. But the weird thing is, it's right on the border of North Korea and South Korea. It's right on the border there, which is ridiculous to me, and it's kind of scary at the same time, because that's ridiculously close to a nation which hates God. I, they hate him. And to me, it's kind of just like you are putting yourself on in the firing line. It's also, uh, literally, uh, it's, it's a nation that's literally right next to possibly its most, you know, evil adversary. If you understand kind of what the North Koreans do, it's, it's terrible what they've done to their people. But also, you know, I, the big thing with them is trying to reunify a communist Korea. And, you know, putting a church that is, like, active, like, freedom and grace and mercy and, you know, goodwill to all, right next to a country who is, like, I would just love just to, <laughs> yeah, turn, turn you into, <laughs> into dust. I, I commend those people for even stepping into that. I commend that leadership because, like, here in America, I think as Christians— Sometimes we have it a little too easy. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we live in a nation that's very accepting of different religions and all that. And albeit I'm grateful, but man, there are there are some countries where you can't We got we, the sunny room. Yeah, we got we got the sunny room, but like it's easy to have faith 
when you can really seek God freely. Yeah. But, you know, if, you know, in a country where that's suppressed or even banned, trying to seek God out, like, that takes immeasurable amounts of faith. Like, I may be, like, a, like a pastor, which is still weird to say, because uh, I've only been it for, like, about a month now <laughs> at this point. But, like, if there, if there are people I want to be like, it's those people who are in those affected countries with, you know, suppression or banishment of religion. Because, man, that, that's, that's a faith that I, I can only dream to get. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about is, like, the fact that being there requires so much more, so much more faith. And then in a kind of similar way, right, the fastest growing Christian populations are in, like, the Middle East where, you know, Islamic-controlled countries, if you're a Christian or whatever else, that, that sounds right long there. day. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bad day. Yeah, but that's, that is what being in the dark room is like, is you see God's goodness and his holiness, and you see what he's doing at its full capacity. We, you can even take this back to even Christianity at its roots when you, are yeah. talk, when you talk about like kind of where it started in like the Roman Empire, right? So Nero was one of the emperors kind of at the beginning, and, uh, well, after Jesus. He was yeah, one, I, of, I, one I, of the I, ones I, after Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I messed up there. You stole my point. <laughs> <laughs> but what he was doing is, like, he, he didn't like the Christians either, so he's, he's trying to find these Christians and hunt them and kill them, and that's when Christianity was blowing up the most in the Roman Empire. That's why you're seeing, like, the catacombs and everything else. You're seeing tons of growth happen. That's where, like, that little fish that people draw a lot, yeah, the like Jesus the, fish. the Jesus fish, that's where that started because that used to be a code to get in to secret Christian meetings so that people would know, like, oh, you're not a, that's so you're not a Roman hunter. That's so gnarly, like, secret Christian churches. Like, I'm a, I'm a adrenaline junkie. Like, I'm, 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 I'll be honest, like, I'm a thrill seeker. Um, probably, probably the ADHD that I have probably helps that. Uh, but, like, when you, like, especially when you take risks, especially giant risks, like, that risk your life, like, you gotta have, you know, like, you gotta have, like, ice in your veins <laughs> and, like, a bunch of courage in your heart to know that, man, if someone catches me doing this, like, it's, <laughs> it's game over, dude. Yeah. But, uh, just, just the thought of that, like, secret underground churches <laughs> and the thing is they exist still to this day yeah um obviously not going to stay where for any you know foreign governments watching this you know you, you ain't you ain't getting anything on us <laughs> <laughs> hey you never know you know like 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 you know my you know, like so, some like official from some other country could be watching this and going like oh he they're about to say and nah nah we ain't no snitches. <laughs> we ain't no. We ain't, we ain't gonna snitch. But yeah, that's 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 what was happening. Is like underground Christian churches, and that's all under Nero. And we see the explosion of Christianity and people on fire for Jesus. And then a guy named uh, Constantine makes makes like all the religions okay. He's like, yeah, just be whatever you want. And that kind of, and then Christianity was given kind of like a legal standing, and that was happened at what's called the Council of Nicaea. And then a guy named uh, Theodosius makes 
Christianity, the official religion in Rome, and then you see like uh, doctrine being like fought over. You see people fighting for power in the church, and then you see just kind of like the diluting of like who the people wanted to be and like the fervor that they had for Jesus. You see it kind of just like die because like the room was made sunnier, right? And unfortunately, where when the room gets sunnier, it's a good thing. Like there's more light in the room, but it just yeah. makes it hard for Jesus to work. And that's kind of that that is a bad thing. Right? Throughout the course of history, right, countless people have drawn their weapons, called for revolution on the account of injustice that they've seen. I want to be one of the I want to be one of the first in my generation, maybe not the first, but you know I want I want to set an example for the people in my community, and I want to be able to put it out there. I'm I draw my own weapon too, right. I'm calling for revolution because we've seen with our own eyes, like even just in America with the amount of, you know, hate between just political parties and hate between, you know, people who disagree with how, you know, BLM does a lot of their stuff. And we've seen hate between pro-life and pro-choice. There's so much hate. First John 4.20 says, any man who says he loves God and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who cannot love the brother or sister that he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Romans 2.1 You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they, when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you judge others who have done the very same things. The church has got to recognize the only hope for us, for our families, for our happiness, for our church, for our relationships, for our families, for our schools, our communities, is that we have to love God. We have to love our neighbors as recklessly as he loves us. That's, gonna, that's going to be what makes the difference. Otherwise, we're just going to see this cycle of hatred continue. That's a mic drop moment. Please don't actually drop the mic. But <laughs> yeah, no. just eat it across the church. <laughs> Uh, that's powerful. I, 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 man, I don't even know what to say. Like, especially coming from, I guess, both sides of the spectrum. Coming from one who is in the world, who is like, you know, involved with a lot of things, especially in high school. Um, I was pretty quiet, but I, but I got involved with a lot, lot just a lot of different groups around my school and all that seeing all their perspectives and then coming to Christ and then getting, like, the Christian perspective. Like, ultimately, I think one of the biggest desires for humanity is to be seen and to be validated. I think in some ways we all seek that. It just ends up kind of looking different for every person. Yeah. But, like, the beauty of it is you're already seen. You're already validated. You're already validated by a, you know, all-consuming, you know, all-powerful God. Like, you know, I, I always say this, but, you know, like, you know, the God that has created, th- created everything that you have seen are currently seeing, and what you will see 
till the end of time itself loves you so deeply and wants to have a personal relationship with you. I, I think I think we kind of lose sight of what God's trying to do because it's just like we see all these problems in the world, but like you know, it, it almost seems like God's like, okay, God has like a million different things. He's not going to worry about little old me. And I know that's something I've struggled with because you know I've had my own issues with uh, self confidence and all that. But like, if you really want to see a, like a like a revolution, like a Jesus revolution. It starts by, you know, revolting to the things that you don't like about you, like, that you don't like about yourself. Yeah. The things that need to be brought into the light of Christ. Revival, I mean, we're, this is 2023, we've seen, I think, three separate instances of revival in different colleges here in America. Yeah. Like, I think it was Lee University. Asbury. Asbury University, which is, I think, I think the biggest one, or at least the one I paid attention to. Yeah, that's most. the one that I think was the biggest. Yeah, and there was one other college. I can't think of the name of it right now. Yeah. But, like, the, these are revivals that are happening on college campuses, almost the same as in the 60s. They began on college campuses with the young people, with the young adults of the world. And especially a lot of our younger kids are, like, maybe not fully understanding about like guys you are the future of not only this nation but this world yeah and it's, it kind of even just goes on to make the point even further because a lot of these kind of little revivals that were happening were also being like critiqued at the same time right there's people who were saying that oh yeah you're gonna sit and pray in the church for hours and hours on end yeah well what are you actually doing why, why are we asking what are, what, are, what are people actually doing? That's not the point. You have kids, hundreds of kids, sitting and staying at the feet of Jesus for hours on end. I, there's, I, not, there's no point in saying, oh, what are you doing? They're praying. Yeah, I, I think the Asbury, the, uh, Asbury University arrival lasted for over 100 hours. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that's three days. Yeah. Ish. Something like that. But, <laughs> I was yeah. never good at math. <laughs> but that's kind of like the whole point is like we have to we got to stop worrying about like what can be done better what other people are doing wrong right with my siblings or whatever else some of my my parents are always like saying it's like stay in your own lane like don't worry about other people if my sibling gets in trouble and i see it happen i could in theory be like hey what are you doing knock that off or I can let my father and mother handle it, and instead they're gonna be they're gonna be the ones to handle. It. I can be the one to love and to guide and be like, hey, that's probably not a good thing to do. And if they don't listen, then they don't listen. But at least I'm showing love in that. Are they doing the wrong thing? Yeah. Can I leave it to my parents to be the one to deal out the punishment while I be the one to show the love? At the same time, that's also a yes. I think that's kind of something that the whole church needs to kind of see, is that we're not responsible for judging. I feel like that's kind of like the end, the end of it, right? We can stop judging. We can focus on just loving people, and we're going to see a lot more. We're going to see that revival happen. Yeah, I, I know a lot of my, like, like prayers for, like, years 
like, at least for the past, I want to say two years, have been about revival. Because, you know, I, I, especially when I watch the G, like, Jesus Revolution, which if you haven't seen it, see it. It's such an incredible movie. Not even, like, yeah, especially for the Jesus part, but like, just as a movie, it's really good. Anyways, like, I see a lot of the ingredients that were there in the mid-1960s, early 70s, are some of the same ingredients that we have. I mean, it's a controversial war, because they had Vietnam, we had Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, um, social movements, they had the hippies, you know, we have the... Uh, Name it. <laughs> There's lots. Pick one. <laughs> yeah, if you just look around, you're going to find at least, like, ten of them. Do a quick Google search. I'm sure you can find something. <laughs> um... You know, there's a lot of people with a lot of fear, um, a lot of political strife, because back then, obviously, you know, it, it started looking a lot different because, you know, we had, you know, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. We had Watergate come up a few years later. Like, there was a lot of political instability. And, you know, you, you look at the 2020 presidential election, it was pretty... Crazy, and even then, like politics have been crazy pretty much my entire life, which is why I don't generally ascribe to any political party because all it is is just kind of incoherent screaming. Yeah, it's it's just it, it is power play at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, there's all these ingredients that could set up for something big. I'm a, I don't know, if, not a lot of people know this, but like I'm a big meteorology nerd. Like, I love studying weather. Yeah, I know. Like, and especially I love, like, tornadoes because they're just such powerful and fascinating to me. But, like, certain conditions have to be set within a atmosphere, like a local atmosphere. You know, enough, you know, heat, moisture, um, you know, convective energy that can set up for these, you know, big, like, crazy tornadoes but like in I guess like maybe like a God sense like God is setting up the ingredients for like a giant revival yeah. and you know but that involves us like it's not just going to happen naturally like storms do yeah. it's going to happen by you know Christian men and women who in, in and of themselves are completely imperfect you know, stepping up to the plate and addressing the wrongs that are going on, yeah. and leading out of a place of love. Because I think, I think it's the big thing. Some people, I think of like a Westboro Baptist Church. You know that, you guys? Yeah. That that's not how you do it, dude. That's totally not how you do it. In fact, that's probably driving more people away. Because a lot of the rhetoric was like hate based. But ultimately, kind of going back to what I said earlier, you know, people want to be seen and validated and loved for who they are. Yeah. And God already loves them for who they are because God made them in the first place. It's, it's going to take us stepping up to the plate, you know, choking up on our, on our bat of faith, you know, so the spirit, and swinging for the fences. Yeah. Doing what we can to show the love of God. There's a reason Christianity has expounded beyond, you know, Rome and Judea and Samaria and, you know, the entire Mediterranean coast to the ends of the earth. Yeah. 
Like there, there is a reason why Christianity is one of the biggest religions. The biggest. The biggest religion in the world. Mm-hmm. It's because people in different communities, all with different imperfections and struggles, said, you know what? No. There's something wrong here, and I know the one who can fix it. So I'm just going to step out in faith and see what happens. Yeah. I think it's important to realize, too, like, I know for myself, and I'm sure for Pastor Tyler, too, right? It's not about, like, just taking, like, all tradition and just, like, bashing it. We're not saying, like, uproot everything that you've, like, known before. It's about being able to accept, like, being able to accept people even where they even where they're at and still being able to show love in the way that they understand right the people who Chuck Smith led in to um to sing and do worship right he didn't just let in a hippie band and they were just able to sing whatever they wanted they were still singing worship songs they were still praying it's still about like loving and glorifying God through it all but at the same time, that's also one of the keys is that we are showing love. Yeah, I, you know, I always kind of have this kind of wrestling match between, like, keeping traditional and then, like, progressing as technology progresses. Because I'm, I'm a big tech nerd. Like, in my free time, I play video games when I can. Uh, and I'll probably end up editing this video and editing all the things of the church because that's... Where am I gotta get? do it. <laughs> it, it's, it needs to be done. It's where God's another area God's gift to be in. Like, if there's no form of progression, if we're just doing the same thing over and over again, it kind of just ends up becoming predictable. Yeah. And you know, we have this ultra creative God, who's again created everything we have seen, are currently seeing, and will see for the end of time. You know, who's created all the stars in the sky, who's created us so intric- intricately. And he knows every hair on our head. Like, if we are living out the example, if we are living out, you know, God's will for our lives, especially as a creative people, you know, if we're not striving to be the most creative and the most, like, it sounds weird to say this, but, like, progressive? Yeah. Like, if, if we're not, you know, if we're not progressing along with the times. Yeah, if we're not adapting the message of Christ to a modern-day audience, we're going to get lost in the past. And that's not to say, like, to change, like, what the message is. That's not, we're not, like, changing the story. Absolutely. We're just addressing it in a manner that people will understand. Yeah, I... Truth is still truth, but it, you can it, you can share truth in different ways. I've seen a lot of churches reach a lot of people just through their social media accounts. Like, I think of uh, Pastor Michael Todd out of uh, yeah. Tran- Transformation Church out of, out of Oklahoma. I think of uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel from Church, not this Life Church, um, in, o- in Oklahoma City as well, seeing how much they've grown their ministries out of stepping up to the plate and adapt- adapting the message of Jesus Christ, the timeless message, into a modern-day context. Yeah. It, it is really about, it's, see, my problem is, is like, I tend to overcomplicate things. And I feel like that's what, I feel like that's what a lot of people do is like, in all reality, what the, what God's message is, isn't very complicated. There's, there's two absolutes 
in the entirety of Christianity, right? Sin is bad, and God can't be a God can't have it. He he physically won't be around it. The second one is that Jesus died on the cross to save us from that exact sin in order that we can be with him. And I think that if we can live by those two two examples, live by those two rules and understand those and be able to address whoever we talk to or address most of our, you know, conversations that we have with people about Jesus around those two facts, it does get really easy to kind of share. Because at that point, you don't need to address, you don't need to address BLM. You don't need to address, you know, LGBTQ. You don't need to address any of this other random stuff that people get caught up on. If people have questions or something that they're struggling with that's a sin issue, you can, you can tell them what the Bible says or whatever else, but that's going to be up to God to be able to honestly convict them in their own hearts. That's not, that's not our job. Yeah. God doesn't call us to be the ones to convict. Yeah, we're not the judge. No. And if you think you are, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just children of God. And, and like, we're all just, we're all just kind of one big kind of dysfunctional family. Yeah. And, you know, some, some kids stay close, some kids stray away. But out of, out of love, we should be seeking them. Like I was saying earlier, we got to stay in our lanes. Stay in our lanes. <laughs> Just like my parents told me. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have anything else to say. you have anything else to say? No, I think. I think that last point's a, a, a decent one to end it's on. a decent one to end on, yeah. Um, well, anyways, thank you for watching Crossroads. I know it's, uh, you know, it's always interesting to start things. Yeah. But, like, I hope you got something out of it. I hope it sparks conversations within your families, within your church families, or just maybe even within yourself. Because um, that's really the heart of it is, you know, challenging the nuance of, uh, you know, modern-day Christianity. Yeah. Honestly, if you do have, like, different questions and, like, you, and you're able to have conversations with your families and for whatever reason, like, you can't just get to a point where you where you feel, like, happy with it. The best place to go is the Bible. The Bible was given to us to be an answer to our questions. It's God-breathed. It's his inspiration to yeah. us. That's, that's what it's there for. Take the opportunity to just do the studying for yourself. If you have any questions or stuff that you would like us to cover, I'm sure that, you know, the different social media accounts are going to, be open to the comments and you can always put stuff in there and you know we look at that stuff we can uh, I, de I definitely look at it because I've run most of it <laughs> <laughs> we can look at the stuff and we can continue to talk about that stuff um, you know thank you Pastor Tyler for having me on thanks for uh, coming on you did amazing dude yeah thanks man alright well with that thanks for watching we'll see you next time on Crossroads see everybody now here's the fun part where I have to turn everything off because we're, we're sort of uh, low maintenance here. Little blooper section for y'all. Little blooper section. We should have a blooper section. Oh, to totally. All right. Bye, everybody. Blooper.